Before reflecting on today's scriptures, I'd like to uh, remind you that Thursday is Ascension Thursday and is a holy day of obligation. And when the church tells us it's a holy day of obligation, it means we have the obligation of going to Mass that day. So I hope that uh, you'll all be anxious to celebrate this important part of the Easter mystery. You know, the Easter celebration is 50 days long, Easter Sunday itself, of course, then Ascension Thursday, and finally, um, two weeks from today, we will be celebrating Pentecost Sunday. So please uh, get to Mass on Thursday to celebrate that part of the uh, Easter mystery. Also, tomorrow we'll be celebrating Memorial Day, and so I'd like a comment a little bit about what, are, what we are remembering. Uh, remembering is an important part of being a human being. Uh, if we don't remember our spouse's birthday, uh, there's a legitimate reason for our spouse to be angry with us. Uh, remembering um, important moments like that is a sign of our deep humanity and our affection for the person that we remember. Uh, Memorial Day uh, began as a day to remember those who have offered their life in the service of our country. So that's a very important thing for us to do. Uh, patriotism isn't talked about as much today as it used to be talked about when I was younger, but it's a Christian virtue to love your country and to defend uh, your fellow citizens and to be willing to offer your life in the service of our fellow citizens is a great generous act. And so we remember the people who have died in the wars um, in the service of protecting our country. But it's also been extended then to be a time of visiting cemeteries and remembering those in our family who've gone before us. So um, I know it's a big city, Philadelphia, and it's difficult to get to the cemeteries probably of the people that uh, have been part of your life who've died and who you love, but it's an important thing to do. And if you have children, to take your children with you so that that habit of remembering the dead becomes part of their own life. Um, I think that you want to be remembered after you die, don't you? I mean, it's a sign of being loved. And because of that, we should try to remember those who've gone before us who have died. So let's try to make uh, our Memorial Day a significant day for ourselves and for our families. Today is the sixth Sunday of Easter. And once again, in today's scripture readings, we have lessons about how to be the church. So I'd like to look at all these uh, three readings uh, to learn something uh, concrete about the community that we belong to which is called the Catholic Church. And you'll find in these readings the beginning of a rather developed Catholic understanding about the Church. Our first reading is once again from the Acts of the Apostles, the early history of the Church, and it teaches us how the Church community, which means us, how we solve big problems. And the big problem that they had to solve in the earliest days of the church was the issue of whether or not the Gentile Christians had to become Jews before they became followers of Jesus Christ. 
and the external signs of becoming a Jew were keeping the kosher laws that are found in the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament and for the males of the community to be circumcised. And there was a debate in the church, a significant group of people um, who were Gentiles thought that faith in Jesus Christ was all that's necessary. We don't have to become Jews in order to become Christians. But there were many serious Jews who had become Christians, especially the Pharisees among the Jews who had become Christians, who thought that everybody ought to be a Jew as well as a Christian and ought to follow the rules of kosher and the males ought to be circumcised. And this became a really big problem in the city of Antioch, which is in Syria. Uh, some people from Jerusalem, from the mother church, had gone up to Antioch and told the Gentiles, you're not good enough Christians because you aren't following the laws of kosher and you, the males have not been circumcised. And this was such a big question that the church in Antioch decided to send the issue to the mother church in Jerusalem. And that's the origin of our scripture passage today. They traveled, Paul and Barnabas and others traveled from Antioch to Jerusalem to discuss this question. It was discussed and after the discussion, the leaders in Jerusalem decided to send a letter to the Christians, especially the Gentile Christians in Antioch. Now you might, if you looked at the scripture readings in the book, you might have noticed that the first two verses are verses one and two of chapter 15, and then verses three through 21 are skipped, and then 22 through 29 is the rest of the reading. And the part that skipped is the discussion they had in Jerusalem about this question. Uh, that discussion is referred to as the Council of Jerusalem. I think most of us here have heard of the Second Vatican Council, which is a gathering of bishops to talk about how to be Catholics in the contemporary period. Well, the very first of those councils, the gathering of the apostles to discuss those kind of issues was in Jerusalem. And what we have here in this passage basically is a description of the problem and then the answer to the problem that was given by the Council of Jerusalem. So far, so good? Understand the context of it all? Now, I think what we don't understand as Christians today is how serious an issue this was. I mean, to us, dietary laws don't seem very, very important. But if you read the Old Testament, you, you know that there were periods in the life of the Jewish people where they were willing to die rather than to break those laws because they wanted to be faithful to God and to his teachings. The most dramatic incident of that is a passage from the book of Maccabees where there were seven brothers who were trying to be forced to eat pork, which was against the kosher laws, by the Greeks. And if they didn't do it, they were killed one by one in the presence of their mother. And it's an interesting passage, you ought to read it if you get a chance, because during this whole period where they were being tortured and eventually killed in the presence of their mother, their mother was telling them, don't give in, 
I'd rather have you die than to break the law of God. And so the seven brothers in this particular passage were heroes for the Jewish people. So this was not a little question. It was a really big question for the church. So they discussed it. And what's really important about this particular passage today is the following sentence. Uh, this is a sentence uttered by the Apostle James in the letter that was being written to the people in Antioch. This is what he said. It is the decision of the Holy Spirit and of us not to place on you any burden beyond these necessities. And then he named the particular requirements. But what's really interesting for us in the church today is the confidence with which the early church understood the process of making a decision. They didn't just say, this is what we think. They were able to say, because of their confidence, that our decision is the decision of the Holy Spirit in us. In other words, they were claiming to speak for God when it came to matters of faith and morals in the life of the early church. We Catholics believe that's true today. We believe that we can have confidence in the teachings of the Pope and the bishops, especially when they gather together in a council, like the Second Vatican Council, because we believe that Jesus has promised his church that he would be able to speak with confidence the mind of God. Now, the question for us today is, do you believe that? You know, do you believe the church can teach us the mind of God? That we can have confidence in the teachings of the church as we would have confidence in the teachings of Jesus? Now, this is a big, big argument. This is a big issue in the church. You know, our Protestant brothers and sisters don't think the church has authority in their lives. I mean, they, they go to church and they love their church community and they love the homilies that are preached there and they read the scriptures and pray, but they don't believe that church can bind them. You know, they believe that the way you come to know the, the mind of God is through the Bible and the personal inspirations of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the church doesn't decide, but I, inspired by the Holy Spirit, decide for myself what is true and what isn't true. A characteristic of the Catholic Church is that we submit ourselves to the church's authority. Not in everything, not in science or math, um, not in politics, but in the matters of faith. You know, what do we believe as Christians? And morals, what does God require of us in our actions? In those areas of faith and morals, the church has authority over our lives. So if we disagree with the church, what do we do? We change our mind and we agree in matters of faith and morals. The church can't tell us who to vote for, for example. 
And sometimes the church has made mistakes. Like, uh, remember the famous incident of Galileo, who claimed that the earth was not the center of the universe, but that the earth rotated around the sun rather than the sun rotated around the earth. Uh, many church authorities in Rome told Galileo that he was wrong and he should submit to the church's teaching authority. But that's not a matter of faith or morals, that's a matter of science. And the church doesn't have the, the um, skill or the qualifications to teach about science. But when it comes to matters of faith and morals, you and I have a duty to submit our minds and our hearts to the teachings of the church. Uh, the big issues today, of course, are around gen gender issues, um, issue of same-sex marriage, issues around birth control, around abortion. You know, we have many Catholics who claim that they can be good Catholics and not accept what the church teaches. They can be Catholics, but they can't be good Catholics if they don't accept what the church teaches. Because if we disagree with the church, what do we do? We change our minds. Of course, we do it intelligently by asking questions and looking for a solution to the, tr to the, to the confusion or the um, discord we experience in our lives. The church doesn't want us to be blindly obedient, but the church wants us to be obedient in an adult kind of way because that's what the church has always expected of its members. Once again, the Council of Jerusalem said, it is the decision of the Holy Spirit and of us not to place on you any burdens beyond these necessities. So that's a, an important lesson about the church that we have in our first reading. Our second reading is from the, from the book of Revelation. And in order for us to understand this reading, we have to understand that the church has always seen Jerusalem in the book of Revelation as a symbol of the church itself. So when the book of Revelations talks about Jerusalem, it's talking about our community, which is the church. And this particular reading begins, uh, it doesn't actually begin here, but in the, in the Bible, there's a sentence that's missing right before the, the beginning of this reading. And this is a sentence, an angel speaking, and the angel says, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb, uh, the bride of Christ. And then it goes on to say, the angel took me in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. In other words, uh, the angel showed me the church, which is the bride of Christ. So it's important for us to understand that concept. You know, that Jesus loves the church, that means us, as a husband would love his wife. Uh, St. Paul, in the letter to the Ephesians, says Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, you know, as a, as a bride. But that means that the church should love Jesus as the bridegroom. And all of us, whether we're men or women, are called to that kind of relationship. 
a spousal relationship with God. And by spousal, it means intense, you know, uh, the kind of commitment that we understand as Catholics about marriage, right? Which is a permanent relationship between one man and one woman for the sake of children. And our relationship with God should have that same kind of intense qualification. That's how we should see ourselves, okay? And in this reading, uh, it goes on to describe the church in the following way. It says it had massive high walls with 12 gates where 12 angels were stationed and on which names were inscribed the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. You know, the, the Israel, the Old Testament, God's chosen people was Israel, and they were divided into 12 tribes. And what the, this reading is saying is that the church today is the descendant of Israel. That just as God had, has chosen the Jewish people as his own particular people, they're still God's chosen people, he also chooses us as members of his holy family. So we are the bride of Christ and we are the family of God. That's how we should understand the church. The church is not a building. The building is a place where the church gathers, right? And these are beautiful buildings, but this isn't the church. You are the living stones of the church. You, you are what counts. This building could be knocked down and the church would still exist as long as you are committed loving Christians in relationship with God and in our relationships with one another. It goes on to say, there were three gates facing east, three north, three south, and three west. You know, the church is for everyone. It has doors in all directions of the world. This is really important for us to understand that church is for everyone. And nobody has a claim on the church more than anyone else. We, we don't have a claim because we're smart. We don't have a claim because we're wealthy. We don't have a claim because we're talented. We don't have any claim at all because God has a claim on us. We don't have a claim on God. But the church is for everyone. It goes on to say, the wall of the city had 12 courses of stone as its foundation on which were inscribed the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The foundations of the church are the apostles. Now, if you studied your catechism when you were a kid, you learned the four marks of the church. Marks meaning signs, that these four things are necessary qualities for the church to actually be the church. What are those qualities? It must be one, Catholic, holy, and apostolic. And by apostolic, it means founded on the foundation of the apostles, which means the church today in the 21st century is founded on the teachings of the 12 apostles and is faithful to those teachings. You know, as soon as I finish my homily, we're going to pray the Apostles' Creed, which was the earliest statement of the church about what it believed. And we believe that the church, to be the church, has to be faithful 
to the apostolic teachings of the Twelve, right? We are one, it means we believe the same thing together. We're Catholic, which means we're everywhere. You know, there's a gate on the east, the west, the north, and the south. The church is for everyone. We're together, we're one, but we're for everyone. Holy, which means that it is like God, reflects God's life, and it is apostolic. And if your church isn't all four of those things, it's not the authentic church of Jesus Christ. And at the end of this reading, it says, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. You know, in the city of Jerusalem, there was a temple where God dwelled. But what we're hearing here is that the church itself is the temple of God. You know, God's dwelling place which brings us to today's Gospel reading from the Gospel of St. John. And there are just two, three reflections here about the church. Jesus says to his disciples, whoever loves me will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling in him. We learn from those words of Jesus that we are temples of God. You know, we believe that in our baptism, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come to dwell in us, and each of us become temples of God, or as it's sometimes said, temples of the Holy Spirit. We don't believe this is symbolic language. We believe it's true. You know, as long as we live lives of fidelity to God and don't commit mortal sins, we are temples of God which means a whole lot to us, right? It means that God choosing to dwell in us is a pretty serious thing. But it also means we have to respect one another because God dwells in each one of us, which gives us an extraordinary dignity, right? That's lesson number one from this reading. Lesson number two is a bit different. So each of us is a temple of God. The second lesson is that all of us each of us being living stones for the temple of the church, all of us make up the church. So the church is what? It is us. But all of us, not just some of us. You know? Sometimes I hear Catholics who are upset with the Pope or upset with the bishop say, we are the church. And it's true, but not just them. It's all of us who are the church. You know. And uh, it's important for us to realize that, that we, we don't make up the church on our own. We are the church together, each one of us having unique gifts and qualities, but none of us being the church by ourselves. We are the church together. So each of us is a temple of God, but the, all of us together are the church which is the living presence of God in the world. And this is the reason why we believe the church has authority over us. So that's why we don't change churches. You know, Protestant, our Protestant brothers and sisters, if they don't like what's going on, what do they do? They go to a different church or they found a different church of their own. But that's not what Catholics do because we submit ourselves to the church rather than think we're the church by ourselves.
So you have to make up your mind whether you're going to be a Catholic or be a Protestant when you think about the life of the church. And hopefully you'll decide to be Catholic as well as one holy and apostolic. So those are the lessons from today's scripture readings about the church. It's a very rich understanding, isn't it, about our community of faith. It has a lot of demands because if this is true, it requires something of us, you know. But it's wonderful if we live it out because if we live it out, then we do become the light of Christ for the world because our community is the place where God dwells. May God bring to completion these good things he begins once again in our hearts today.